Hello, I'm Anviti Singh, and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express News Show. In this episode, we talk about a Ram Navmi procession turning violent in Bihar. We also talk about its neighboring state Jharkhand, where a man accidentally got access to one lakh rupees and is now in jail for it. But first, we talk about rare diseases and their medicines. Earlier this week, the Indian government decided to exempt all foods and medicines used to treat rare diseases from customs duty. This means that people in India who suffer from rare diseases like primary immunodeficiency disorder or certain forms of muscular dystrophies will not have to pay customs duty when they import these drugs to India. To understand more about rare diseases and how this latest move by the government will help people My colleague Utsha Sarman speaks to the Indian Express's Anona Dutt. So Anona to begin could you talk about what counts as a rare disease? So rare disease uh, like the name says it's something uh, any disease any condition that is uh, rare in a population its uh, WHO definition is about uh, 10 cases per uh, 10000 population. but i mean different countries have different uh, numbers to it ranging from 1 to 10 cases per 10000 population so any condition and most of it is like extremely rare genetic conditions that's what gets classified as a rare disease and can you tell us how prevalent are rare diseases in india so when we're talking about india we do not have any concrete number to say how many cases we have across the population and i mean we expect that it would be similar to what other countries see but there is no data yet and icmr has now started a registry to collect this data so there are about 7000 to 8000 conditions that are considered to be rare diseases globally not all of them have get detected in india but we have certain conditions like uh, muscular dystrophy and um, osteogenesis imperfecta i mean these are all uh, medical names and these are the conditions that we do see in india how much we don't know the registry was i think started in 2021 and so far we have around 4000 cases registered but the n- actual number is likely to be more Right so India recently decided that people who import medicines for these rare diseases uh, they will not have to pay customs duty so does that mean that we see a lot of these medicines being imported and is there a dearth of medicine for rare conditions in India so not just in india there is a dearth of medicines for rare diseases across the world this is because uh, it's not a very attractive field for pharmaceutical companies to actually research into because there are very few people who have this condition and it just doesn't make economic sense for them to invest in research and development for drugs for these conditions so i mean of all the conditions that exist only about 5% actually have some sort of specific treatment and the ones that do have it are like prohibitively expensive So this is because uh, very few people live with these conditions these drugs that are manufactured by various companies are called orphan drugs and because they have to recoup or so they say they have to recoup all the research and development cost 
from a very few people the cost of per dose cost is very high for these uh, conditions not only that we do not have any manufacturer making these medicines in india as of now that's what the national rare disease policy says so almost all of it is imported okay so now that the customs are exempted could you tell us how this will help the people who need these medicines so almost all of these things used to attract about 10% the basic custom some of it which had been previously notified had a 0% custom or 5% as well but now with this particular exemption in place the government has listed of 51 conditions or groups of condition for which any food item or medicine that is needed will be made custom free when they are imported and this will be a huge help for people living with uh, the conditions with the rare conditions this is because a lot of the conditions you have to take the medicine lifelong you have to take it whatever the dosage uh, it's not a one time treatment and with age with weight with body mass the cost of treatment also keeps going up so the national rare disease policy says that the estimated cost is about for a child of 10 kgs the cost is about uh, rupees 10 lakhs to a crore per year so i mean imagine 10% customs on that so just removing that 10% can be a huge help to the families living with these conditions Okay Nanona how can one avail of this benefit is there some uh, process or certification one needs to have so that they are exempted from paying customs so for getting the exemption from customs the people would have to just get a certificate from the DGHS union government or state DGHS or the district uh, medical officer or civil surgeon somebody has to give a certificate saying that okay this person needs these medicines and they will get the benefit so exempting from paying customs duty is one way to help people with rare conditions in india but uh, is the government doing anything else for their treatment so one of the things is creating a database of people who are living with the rare diseases because right now we don't even have an estimate of how many people might be living with this condition or how many people are born with these conditions every year so first we need to get a number on that and that is what the icmr database is trying to do and another thing that the government does is uh, they do provide financial assistance up to 50 lakhs to people who are uh, living with these conditions And next, we talk about another Ram Navmi procession that turned violent. Yesterday, we spoke about how a Ram Navmi procession turned violent, leading to communal clashes in West Bengal. Turns out, its neighboring state Bihar also faced similar violence in multiple regions, especially in the cities of Sasaram and Bihar Sharif, where a 16-year-old boy died in cross-firing. Union Home Minister Amit Shah, who was supposed to visit one of the violence-affected regions, had to cancel one of his rallies and blame the state government for the situation in this segment indian express's santosh singh joins us to talk about the communal violence how they have increased in the past few years and their political impact on the state santosh could you begin by walking us through what happened last week but during this ramnami i think this started on this friday itself 
I would start with uh, Bihar Sharif, that is the district headquarters of Nalanda, which is Nitish Kumar's home district as well. It had to start at 11 a.m. on Friday, but uh, since it was Friday, police ensured that Friday prayer should be over, Jumiki namaz should be over. After the Friday prayers were over by, say, 2 o'clock, they were allowed to start their procession from a place called Hospital Chonk for uh, Maniram Ka Akhada, barely 2 kilometers from there. But it's very congested area and the notable uh, point this time was the huge surge of crowd which had uh, come from converse from adjoining villages. And as for a rough estimate, it would not be less than 50-60,000 crowd. It had been peaceful till say point of say one and a half kilometer. But after it reached the sensitive point, which could be called the flash point, Gagandivan, barely, say, a stretch of uh, 300 meters, there is symmetry there, where there has been allegation of uh, stone pelting at uh, the Sobhayatra Ramanami procession, which was the trigger point of violence and uh, then crowds that let loose and then some 35 shops were gutted. And uh, it took a long time for police to control things, control the fire. So only by Saturday morning, they would be able to control things. But uh, there was no casualty that day. Okay, so that was the condition on Friday and Saturday. But then on Sunday, a teenager was killed in the same area. So was that a result of the violence that started on Friday? So it was part of the same violence. It is said to be the retaliatory firing. And then there was cross-firing as well at a place called Paharpura, which is not very far from the place when the first violence had taken place. In the cross-firing, this boy, Gulsan Kumar, had gone to face vegetables and he was caught in cross-fire and was hit on his head and he was taken to Patna Medical College and Hospital where he died during treatment the next day. And two other persons, Muhammad Sakil and Muhammad Taj, they were injured. And one is getting treatment in Nalanda itself and another person is getting treatment in Patna. They are said to be stable. Right. And Santosh, can you tell us how the police have responded to the incident and the steps they have taken to contain the violence? After the Sunday incident, they got nine extra company of uh, paramilitary forces. Uh, there has been a night parade and extra night vigil during Sunday night as well. And uh, as on today, there has been uh, no fresh incident. It is still tense. Prohibitory orders are still in place. But situations are under control. The chief minister has already assessed the situation. Also announced 5 lakh compensation to the next of the kin of victims. DGP RS Bhatti also visited the spot. Okay, and have the police identified the parties or individuals involved in the violence or who instigated the violence? Uh, it is very difficult to identify. It's a Ramanami process. It's a normal procession. There are some private organizations, they hold it and uh, Bajrang Dal also participates, BSP also participates. But more than that, it's a procession of one community. and They have not revealed, Nalanda police has registered some 15 FIRs, uh, having arrested more than 80 people so far. But they have not yet divulged details of people who they have arrested from either side. So as of now, we do not know the background of people arrested. But uh, what the locals told us uh, that there had been inadequate police preparation such as uh, arrangement for tear gas, uh, even water cannons, extra deployment at the sensitive area of uh, Gagandivan. That was not there. They could have sensed, especially when there was such a surge of huge crowd 
for 60000 odd procession police deployment of more than 1000 people was i think it was very insignificant so there had been some kind of uh, you know intelligence failure on the part of police as well and santosh is this region of bihar sharif in the nalanda district uh, does it have a history of communal tensions or is this something that we have seen in the last few years you know if you see the social make of bihar sharif the very name bihar sharif would give you the answer bihar and sharif bihar you know it has buddhist history log bihar karne ke liye aate the bodh bihar bhraman karne ke liye aate the it got the name bihar and sharif because there is a sharif magdumsa mazar there so it's called it has derived name from sharif so that the very name indicates that identifies and represents social harmony and there is mixed population there is not one hindu pocket or muslim it's interwoven so there had been ganga jamni sanskriti in tehzeeb in the town for a long time 1981 was the only year when it saw i think till date it was the worst right when 60 odd people were killed from either side but after that there was no such big incident i think for last 4 uh, 5 years uh, some incident or other has taken place uh, in 2018 it happened in uh, aurangabad bihar sharif uh, samastipur i think 8 9 district and uh, in 2019 as well but for say for last 6 7 years with uh, the rise of uh, right wing groups uh, and uh, more uh, turnout of people during the processions the job has become very difficult for police it's very sensitive they need to identify people before the procession the possible trouble makers as well they have to engage influential people of both communities to ensure that no such, such things happen in future and santosh can you tell us how these latest clashes have affected the political landscape of the state you know this could not have happened at a worse time for jdu if i talk politically or even for that matter rjd and congress union home minister amit shah was scheduled to visit sasaram and nawada nawada which adjoins bihar sharif nalanda district on 2nd april he did visit uh, nawada but he could not visit sasaram because of similar incident in sasaram on friday and at sasaram is also tense so what was the line of attack bjp said that nitish kumar is not able to control law and order and samrat choudhary the new bjp president said if nitish kumar cannot control law and order in his home district how can he control things in bihar and likewise when amit shah said he targeted nitish kumar a friend by saying that give us uh, full mandate in 2025 and hum log dangaiyon ko ulta latka denge if i use his exact words so politically bjp got a chance to hit and jdu also took actions to the union home minister having spoken to bihar governor but he also just responded to that in nawada rally by saying that i am the country's home minister it is my job to take stock of law and order situation in any state so no political you know fireflies are going from either side and now i think the next 2024 election not very far away it could only intensify in coming days and in the end we talk about a man who accidentally received 1 lakh rupees 2 years ago but who is now in jail for it to tell us more about the story here's my colleague shashank bhargav So the man in question is Jeet Rai Samant, a 42-year-old BD worker from Jharkhand. Samant belongs to the Ho community, 
which is a tribal community in the area. When we spoke to Indian Express's Abhishek Angad, he told us more about him and how he first received that 1 lakh rupees. So it was during the COVID first wave that he received certain information that the government may send certain amount of money to the people because there's a lot of crisis that is going on. So in villages, what he did was he just went to one common service center, which is a place where a lot of utility services are provided. There, he scanned one of his fingers through a machine that had information regarding Aadhaar-linked bank accounts. And through this, he got to know that there are now 1,18,000 rupees supposedly in his bank account. So he was confused and uh, as what he's claiming that he rushed to the Brahmin bank where his account is and uh, after rushing there, he spoke to the manager saying, look, I have one like 18,000 rupees in my bank account. I don't know where it's got from. And then uh, the bank manager checked. He said, no, you don't have any uh, amount in your bank account. So then he again went back and two days later or three days later, he again checked. So then again, he found out that there is one lakh eighteen thousand rupees, which is linked to his Aadhaar number. This was around the time that the first COVID-19 wave was peaking. And he, along with millions of others, were facing a lot of financial problems. And one lakh rupees was a lot of money for someone like Samant. In fact, it is a lot of money for most people who live in his area. So West Singhbhum district is one of the poorest districts in Jharkhand and uh, there has been a lot of issues around and uh, a majority of the population who belong to tribal communities and uh, food security or insecurity is a major issue in various villages of uh, West Singhbhum. So one lakh rupee for a person like Jai Samant who has a family of six, actually it meant a lot for him at that point of time when most of the country was uh, reverse migrating back to the villages. So Samant decided to use the money and thought he'll figure out the consequences later. So first time he withdrew 500 rupees and then 1000 rupees and so on and so forth. And he withdrew and then he forgot. Two years passed and then suddenly he received a call one day in September 2022. The caller said that he's a bank manager of Grameen Bank. And since he's withdrawn around more than 1 lakh rupees, and if he doesn't pay the amount immediately, there may be a coercive action against him. He uh, pleaded to the bank manager saying, look, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I withdrew amount and I thought that it was sent to my Aadhaar number or whatever. But he couldn't return the money. But he said that if it's not mine, then I'll return in installments. But I can't return the money now. And later on, an FIR was registered against him in West Singham district. According to a letter that Samanth wrote to the police, he had initially thought that the money was sent to him by PM Modi as a way to help people like him. But it was only later that he found out that this was not the case. Though he never thought that an FIR would be registered against him, one that could put him in jail for seven years if a court decides to convict him. Meanwhile, Abhishek says that no one is really sure how the mistake happened, how his Aadhaar number got linked to someone else's bank account, which is how he was able to take out the money. The first thing, the bank manager of the Grameen Bank in Khutpani block of West Singhbhum district, he told me yesterday that one of the things that could have happened is that the Grameen Bank was earlier sponsored by uh, Bank of India. But in 2019, the Grameen Bank got merged and then the State Bank of India overtook it. And then it has started 
and it was renamed as Jharkhand Rajya Gramin Bank and the database was also migrating. So it was during that database migration that some goofer would have happened. This is what his guess was. And when I asked him, if you can pinpoint to any particular single person that who had actually mistakenly linked his Aadhaar number to someone else's bank account. So he said no, because in their database that there would be have been some digital fingerprints and who did all those, but he said he couldn't find anything. So he's guessing that during the migration or during the database transfer, his Aadhaar number got linked with someone else's bank account number. But as far as I believe, there has been no thorough check and probe into it, how this mistake happened, because this is also a big issue that needs to be seen by the authorities, considered by the authorities. Now, considering the fact that no major probe is being done about this mistake, it seems unfair that only Samant is facing the brunt of it, which is the sense that Abhishek got when he was speaking to him. Because it's not that he wanted to run away with the money. He's basically a manufacturer or he just binds BDs from his village and he's a daily wage laborer also. So he said that I spent those money because I was in need at point of time, but he was ready to give the money back in installments. But as far as the conversation that I had with him, the authorities or the owner, they were not very sure that he will be able to return the money. That's one. Number two, the FIR was registered in October and he was sent three notices to appear before the police. The police is also saying that he appeared before them after the first notice. But even then, two more notices were sent to him. So this is bizarre that if someone has already appeared before the authority but the police after the first notice, why would three notices would be served to him? And look, after October, there are like five months or six months that have passed and there was no arrest. Suddenly, the police comes and they arrest him. That's number one. Number two, the bank manager told me that the person, the woman who the bank is identifying as Srimati Laguri, she also did not raise it. There is the issue of that my amount is being debited from my bank account. Her passbook was also regularly updated, but assuming that she did not have any clue of the banking system, so she did not come to know. It was only when it appears that her son-in-law intervened and then found out that most of the money has been withdrawn from her account. And then after two years, they raised the alarm. So if two things that happened, A, if they would have raised the alarm, so this entire issue wouldn't have happened. Number two, the bank authorities' mistake. and uh, But there is no talk or probe or investigation or uh, from the bank side also that how this big glitch or goof-up happened, which is a technology which is supposed to be error-free or which is supposed to bring a lot of changes in people's lives. You were listening to Three Things. Today's show was hosted by me, Anviti Singh, and written and produced by Utsha Sarmin with the help of Shashank Bhargav and me, Anditi Singh. It was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone who you think will like it and share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Podcasts and write to us at podcast at the rate indianexpress.com.